Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. From the creators of Nick Cannon's All That He Wants Is Another Baby and Paris Hilton's Where's My Husband? comes We Found Love in a Hopeless Place, a new dating show about two podcast hosts. My name is Tracy. My nemesis is Hot Sauce. I think that kangaroos are evil and I am afraid of the beauty of my own perfection. My name is Josh. I'm allergic to cats. I just woke up from a coma and I lit my house on fire when I was 10 who try to find out if they're cut out for the heteronormative romantic structures that have been forced on them by society in a postmodern, post-damn-demic, post-Malone kind of world. I just... I don't know if you're here for the right reasons. Okay, so your name is what now? Bob? I'm never gonna remember that, so I'm just gonna call you Narcissist because I got a feeling that that's where this plotline is gonna go, honestly. Find out this season if they'll find love be hopeless, or just get mono. I have two photos in my hand. The model who does not... Josh, wrong show. Oh, my bad. You are the weakest link. You're gonna get a suit. Uh, something about a rose? Oh, Jesus. Check out season one of We Found Love in a Hopeless Place. Coming soon to Cable Minus. And no, you can't borrow my login. Beyonce? You look like Luther Vandross. Oh, but make it fashion. But you ain't heard that from me. Fierce. Can't Can't stop. You see, when you do (laughs) clownery, the clown comes back to bite. I ain't no sleep because of y'all. It's Britney, bitch. Y'all not gonna get no sleep because of me. Tiffany, I ain't wanna Who said that? Welcome to Back Issue. A weekly podcast that revisits formative things, people, and moments that we miss and that changed us. This week, we're going to talk about reality dating shows that made us truly doubt the existence of love. What the f*** you think this is? <laughs> Make a friend? No. I'm here to get my man. I'll just go ahead and say it. Kirby girls make my junk twitch. If these guys don't clean their teeth, it probably means they have smelly balls. Next. Each week, we'll go back into the past and revisit unforgettable moments we all think we remember. And learn what they can teach us about where we are now. I'm Tracy Clayton, and I am here for the love of Ray J. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what love is. And I want you to show me. For a Fido. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Ash Josh Bagash. Oh, Lord. (laughs) You just took me back to a very specific place. (laughs) Is it when you were 10 and you tried to set your house on fire? (laughs) (laughs) We don't talk about that. (laughs) We're going to talk about dating shows today. Not just dating shows. The messiest of the messiest of the messiest dating shows. When we say messy, right, we're talking messy in the classic way, mm-hmm. like crying, snot bubbles, Ew. that sort of way, but also 
in the way that they send messages to us. Like, it's really messy. Messy messages. <laughs> I see it. I see what you did there. But they are. There's just no better word. They're super messy. They're super heteronormative. They're super white. Mm. They're super oriented around the whole traditional Western family structures and whiteness. I just want to say again. <laughs> they're super white. And they're super focused on, like, marriage and, like, monogamy. Yeah. And I, what I find interesting is that they really haven't changed a lot. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to watch this genre try to compete with the tempo of the world. It feels as though maybe we're evolving past this one man, one woman sort of relationship model. So what would a reality show look like then? Right. And they often fail at that. These shows are gamified in such a way that it's really, really difficult to like break free of that structure. Right. So today, let's go through some of these dating show structures and see if they're good for how we think about love. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Let's also talk to Allie Barthwell. She's an Emmy nominated TV writer on Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Mm But she's also a cultural critic at Vulture, where her job is literally making sense of The Bachelor, which I think is the example when people think of this genre of show. Perfect. Maybe she can help me care about The Bachelor because I've never seen it for the girl. Yeah, I have questions. I do. But before we talk to Allie, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's start with a question. Okay. If you were on a dating show... What is your deal breaker that would have you saying, next? Sorry, I'm going to have to next you. You're just not tall enough. Ooh. One is definitely love bombing and like, I've only known you for three minutes, but I think I'm falling for you. Like, no, this is the tactic of abusers and manipulators. And I see you, fam. It's not going to work. I hate when you first meet someone and then all of a sudden they're talking about like forever plans. See, they trying to do that before you realize, oh, wow, you're like a real psychopath. <laughs> so definitely that, um, a bad sense of humor. Men think that they're funny and y'all, mm. Mm. Bless your hearts. Bless your hearts. (laughs) No conservatives, no Trumpers, no racists, or any of the other is. Easily. Obviously. If you look like you might have a Confederate flag belt buckle or a pair of socks in your house even, it's not going to work. Because if you have that, then you probably got some blackface pictures floating around up there. And I'm not about to be looking stupid because my husband, Scott, is out here dressed like (laughs) (laughs) Flavor Flav in high school. Not going to do it. No comedians, no rappers, no spoken word poets. Oh, Ohaji. Who? Wait, that name is familiar. From Moesha. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? You have any other deal breakers? I don't like it when people talk about their exes on the first date. Mm. Can I have a second before things get real? This is supposed to be the fun part. I don't like it when people talk bad to servers. Oh, no. That's an instant no. I also hate pop music snobs. Mm. I liked it when they were underground. I liked this band first. Like, we don't need any elitism, right. hateration, or holleration in our dancery. We do not. Oh, also, deal breaker, a weird penis. I'm going to be checking. <laughs> Sorry. I want to see it first. This is this is my life, okay? <laughs> feel like it's fair. Like, they should send, I think there should be the way that they send headshots. Like, it should be another headshot. You know what I'm saying? Y'all didn't get it. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder, like, how much our searches for love, even what our deal breakers are, how much those things are informed by these dating shows that we watch all throughout our youth. Mm -hmm. So how about for this episode, we look back at formative and truly dark-sided programming from the 2000s. (laughs) Flavor Flav! Yeah, boy! I know y'all heard of that show called The Bachelor. Flavor Flavor's a black So I feel like the easiest way to explore these shows is to separate them into categories and, like, break down the different messages that those categories send. Okay, so category one. Fake love. When you think about fake love, it's like all those dating shows where you're like, wink, wink, this ain't real. And the producers are like, wink, Uh. wink, girl, shh. And you're like, but girl, I know. And the producers are like, just go with it. Someone is out here hooking up with Flavor Flav for real on TV. And you're like, okay, but I think this is fiction. And they're like, girl, shh. That's what this this category is. That is a perfect descriptor, even though I think a lot of them 
Or at least somebody slept with Flavor Flav. I mean, that one is hard for me to believe. It's a lot easier for me to believe with the other shows that fit in this category, like Ray J and mm-hmm. Brett Michaels on VH1. The biggest thing that sticks out to me about these shows is less about the individual moments that happened on them. Mm-hmm. There are definitely a lot of moments we could talk about, especially with Flavor of Love. Yeah. What's more impressive to me is that they all exist in the same world and how they relate to each other. Mm. And I wanted to explain the greater context for you. Okay. Remember how, like, during the pandemic, during the damn-demic, as you call it? Royalties, please. (laughs) I broke down and finally watched all the Marvel movies. There's like a hundred of them. I had never seen any of them Mm -hmm. besides Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. But I broke down and watched all of them. So I think that it's actually, like, a really good way to think about the way that all of these VH1 shows exist with each other. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, all of these fake love shows that existed in VH1 are technically a part of the surreal life cinematic universe. Do you remember the surreal life? Six celebrities, one house, including Tammy Faye, the televangelist queen, and Ron Jeremy, the adult film king. I own the organ that was in Frank Sinatra's house. I own the organ that was in many, many movies. Someone had to get these crazy kids together. Yes. Also, can we pause for Surreal Life Cinematic Universe? Because... (laughs) (laughs) I saw this clip on TikTok from someone named WTF Alasia. It was just supposed to be a bunch of washed up celebrities living in a house together, completing challenges for money, and they turned into all of this! 25 spinoffs resulting directly from the Surreal Life! Of course, there was Flavor Flavor in New York. Everybody remembers them. Mm -hmm. But... It's some deep cuts in there. Right. Can you hook me up with a family tree for the Surreal Life Cinematic Universe? Because I feel like that's the only way I'm going to understand how it's possible for there to be 25 spinoffs. I thought you'd never ask. In the beginning, there was one. It was called The Surreal Life. It ran from 2003 to 2006. The premise? Simple. A group of celebrities live in a house and compete against each other in challenges. The show would revolve around these challenges, also around their interpersonal conflicts and romances. From one came many. My Fair Brady, for the dude who played Peter Brady on The Brady Bunch and Adrian Curry, who had one of the pictures that Tyra Banks was holding in America's Next Top Model. Mm -hmm. And then you got Strange Love with Flavor Flav and Bridget Nielsen, the weirdest couple I've ever seen in my entire life. It was such a good show. (laughs) That gave us Flavor of Love, which has given us so much despite only lasting three seasons, which is how we got to I Love New York, New York Goes to Hollywood, and New York Goes to Work, which then gave us Real Chance of Love, Mm -hmm. featuring the brothers New York dated on the mm-hmm. show. Real and Chance. R.I.P. to Chance. R.I.P. And then they do a spinoff called Real and Chance Legend Hunters in which they hunt for mystical creatures like Mega Shark, <laughs> Bigfoot, and Hogzilla, which I don't know what the hell that is. It's a big-ass hog. I mean, I guess that makes sense. And then another dude New York dated got a dating show that involved living with a bunch of women and his parents at the same time in one house called Frank the Entertainer in a basement affair. And, of course, we have several seasons of Rock of Love with Brett Michaels and his bandana, (laughs) including one in a tour bus. And then two of the women that he dated had their own reality shows called Daisy of Love and Megan Wants a Millionaire. And then all the people from these shows competed in something called I Love Money. But last, and certainly not least, we get Charm School. See, when you do clownery, the clown comes back to bite. There's so many shows, Trace. I have heard you name them all, and I'm still like, really? Right? If we're thinking of all of these fake love shows as the surreal life cinematic universe, mm-hmm. then that means that the Thanos, the big bad, is Miss Tiffany Pollard. Right. One of the best villains of TV history. Agreed, agreed, okay. And stay with me in this awful, awful metaphor. I'm I'm here. <laughs> you know how in the Marvel movies, each of the Infinity Stones represents a different essence of something? That if you control them all, you control all of existence? I think the same could be said about Tiffany Pollard quotes. What? So what are some examples of the Infinity Stones? Power. I was bored, so I ruined lunch purposely. And I had fun doing it. Time. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, Good morning. <laughs> Not you. You can choke. Mind. Do I look like I give a f- because I don't? Reality. Save hey. Beyonce. Hey. 
You know, I, you know who you really That's look like? Sense. You fucking look like Luther Van Drop. Soul. She's a cute girl, you know, cute next to gorgeous. Gorgeous is gonna, you know, devour cute. In space. Bye, pumpkin. Bye, pumpkin. I will allow this. <laughs> There's also a newer show that gets at the same sort of idea of fake love for me. What's that? F-Boy Island on HBO Max. There are 24 men. 12 of them are nice guys. The other 12 self-proclaimed F-Boys. It's up to these three ladies and you at home to figure out who the F is who. Have you seen it? (sighs) Yes, and I'm so mad at you for it because... I was only going to watch a couple episodes. Of course, I ended up watching the whole thing. And I literally had a stress dream about (gasps) the motherfuckers in that show. Okay, so here's my biggest problem with the show. Can I just get this off of my chest? Please. So, the way that the show works is whenever somebody is eliminated, then you find out if they are a quote-unquote nice guy or a quote-unquote F-boy, right? Mm -hmm. Until a certain episode in the season. And I was so confused because they were like, okay, now everybody's going to reveal the status that they came to this island with, Mm -hmm. whether you're an F-boy or whether you're a nice guy. And it's like in the middle of the season. I'm like, I don't understand why this is happening now because then the show is over. Because I would assume that once these women find out that these men are calling themselves fuck boys not just to you and your face but to the face of millions and is okay with this clearly no woman is gonna pick any of these men clearly these women are gonna be like okay all the f boys go home mm-hmm. and i hate that that did not happen they're still considering dating them they're still considering choosing them and giving them a chance to win this hundred thousand dollars or whatever mm-hmm. and i'm just like have we forgotten what mother maya said when someone shows you who they are believe, believe them, them. They're telling you who they are. Right. And here they are telling you, like, I'm a piece of shit. What are you, what's left to consider? And I feel like that's one of those really dangerous and toxic messages that gets sent to us. Right. You deserve somebody who doesn't start off treating you like trash. You know what I mean? Like, that should be the lowest bar that you can clear. Is he nice? Is he kind? That's what the show is doing. It's getting to, like, the lowest, most primal, kind of most disgusting aspects of who we are when we're dating and being like it's entertainment that's not as interesting to me anymore yeah i'm not as interested in seeing trauma play out Mm -hmm. in reality television yeah no this made me very very angry and um i think i would like to move on from the fake love category because now i got an attitude you know so okay let's welcome some uh, some happiness and some endorphins back into the conversation with our next category fun love This category refers to shows that completely lean into the gamification of it all, right? Like, it is mm. it is a game. We're talking about the dating game, Singled Out, that used to come on MTV, the Newlywed game. If you don't remember the Newlywed game, there's a high chance that you at least remember this clip. Girls, tell me where specifically is the weirdest place that you personally, girls, have ever gotten the urge to make whoopee? In the <laughs> Way to misunderstand the assignment. She was just being transparent and honest, okay? She was told that that is how you win this game. (laughs) So, the Newlywed Game and Singled Out, like, these are all examples of us just leaning into game versions of what love could be, right? Because, I mean, like, dating often feels like a big-ass game anyway. I feel like that's what the apps are. Exactly. Like, it really is, like, the way that it's designed to, like, light up your reward centers or whatever in your brain. It's like, oh my gosh, I won. I'm going to the next level. But the next level is terrible because you meet in person and then the dick looks weird and it's just downhill from there. (laughs) Anyway. What a callback. (laughs) I probably put shows like Next and like parental control Mm -hmm. and like date my mom in these categories too. All the ridiculous MTV ones. Right, because it's not necessarily that you're following the narrative structure of two people falling in love or a love story at all. Mm -hmm. You're following more so the anxiety around one specific aspect of dating that they've turned into a game, right? With Next, it's like the first impression. Mm -hmm. Like, you never want to make a bad first impression, so they made an entire game around what the first impression is. Right, right. Hi. Hi. Next. 
Like my tía Consuelo always tells me, if you don't want to f- chuck them. Claro que sí. <laughs> with parental control, the game is around the tension that people experience with their parents and their romantic partners. This is Kirk. He's dating Sarah. They've been together for three months, and Kirk says she's the hottest thing money can buy. But his parents want to return her for a refund. So they're setting Kirk up on two blind dates with girls they've each handpicked just for him. It's like less about following the story of these two or more people like falling in love right. and more about super amping up the stakes of this mm-hmm. one specific aspect. Yeah, who wins a date versus who finds love forever and has to get married on the last episode. Exactly. The point of this show is not whether or not they date again. You know, the point is the entertainment of the show. The point is to cringe when somebody says something dumb or goes in for a kiss and gets rejected. Right. Okay, so let's move on to our next category, which is... Fuck love. (laughs) So these are the shows that take the traditional heteronormative tropes of dating shows and kind of fuck around with them a little bit. Right. And sometimes it works, but sometimes it don't. This sweet, innocent Midwestern girl named Jackie is about to meet 14 men. She thinks she's going to find true love. But not all of the guys are here for romance. Some of them are gay. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I need to go take a shower after watching that. So that's a clip of Playing It Straight, a 2004 Fox reality dating show in which a woman has to separate the straights from the gays in hope of procuring some money. I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted. What is the message that we're sending here? Like... If a gay man is able to deceive this woman as, you know, that's what they want to do, if they can do it, then they'll take all the money and run and ha ha ha. Like, what's the message? I think the message is really clear. You see it from the very beginning of the episode. There's this warning screen and it says, the gay people in the show might be deceiving you or something like that. And it's this framing of queer people as tricksters. Exactly, that's what I was trying to say. It's very of the time. Like, I think of the 90s and the early 2000s as being times where we were really obsessed with gay panic as a culture. Yes. First of all, the bi erasure. Right, when she was like, I don't think a gay man would kiss me. Exactly. Like, it's just so basic. It's like a studio executive literally was like, you know what I heard exists lately? Gay people. They're trending. I saw it on the internet. Let's make a show about them. (laughs) Not for them. They got to be props for our straight man and our straight girl. It's such a good example of how you can include the gays, Mm -hmm. but you also have to consider the gays, Z-E, like Oprah hand. Right. (laughs) Who is this entertainment for? Because it's definitely not for queer people. Oh, it's for the straight white dudes who created it and the straight white women who uh, have to fit the mold that straight white men have put out for them. Right. Another example of this is this show that was on Bravo in 2003 called Boy Meets Boy. One exceptional gay man, 15 extraordinary suitors all vying for his affection. What neither the gay suitors nor the leading man know is that some of the suitors are straight men pretending to be gay, competing to win a cash prize. Of course, if you win and you're straight, you win money for deceiving someone. Good job. So it's like the opposite side of the same sort of token. Yeah, it's just all gross. And it's so dehumanizing. Yeah. But I don't know. I do think that there have been examples of this sort of genre of show where I was kind of into it. I feel like that's impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Where could you have possibly found something like that? There's a show called Are You the One? And this is what the structure typically is. There's 10 straight men and 10 straight women, and they're put in the house because that's what you do on reality television. Right. And before they arrive, all of them have been expertly matched with one other person. How? We don't know. Is it by (laughs) matchmakers? Is it by an algorithm? Is it by the producers just fucking with us? At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. But the point is that every contestant knows that there's someone in the house that is their quote-unquote perfect match, right? Mm -hmm. And they have 10 weeks to figure out who that perfect match is. And if they get it all right, all of them together, they leave with love and they split a million dollars. But if even one match is wrong, they leave with nothing. That's how it usually goes down. But in 2018, they did a season where everyone in the house was bisexual or pansexual. Ooh, see, that's already so much more interesting. You still had this monogamous sort of framework where you have like a one true match, but anyone was fair game as opposed to only half of the house being fair game. And it made Mm -hmm. it so much more interesting. 16 singles are making dating show history because for the first time ever, everyone in this house is attracted to all gender identities. 
It doesn't matter how you identify. I would identify as bisexual pretty right down the middle. What you feel? I am very proud of being bisexual. I think of it as a superpower. Or who you love. This is my way of coming out to everybody. <laughs> because the one could be anyone. So a thing that it sounds like this show did, well... At least tried to do. Yeah, yeah. By humanizing and exploring and including different types of gender identities. First of all, you let other people know that that's a thing because we don't get that from the shit that we watch every day that tells us how we're supposed to like live our lives and how to model our relationships. And then once you do that, people can start to think about and consider, hmm, maybe this awful relationship that I'm in because I'm told that I need to be in it is not the only way that I have to live. Maybe there are other options out there, you know? The other shows are all like, this is what relationships look like. And this one feels more like, what can relationships Mm. look like? What are the possibilities? As opposed to working within the same sort of tired-ass structures that we see over and over again, you know? People are too complicated and too complex to tell them that they have to view this one thing. That's why everybody's fucking depressed. (laughs) (laughs) You're just, like, opening up space for different types of people, different types of bodies to exist in this framework of love or whatever. Mm. But also, it allows you to see what the structure could look like. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to my next category, right? The final category, find love. The shows that are at least pretending to really be about finding a partner. <laughs> do they exist? They do. And I actually kind of like some of them. Huh. I think that they're making really good attempts. Like, I'm a really big fan of this show called Dating Around on Netflix. Which one is that again? Okay, so there's this review of Dating Around on Vulture by Catherine Van Arendonk. And the title of the review is Netflix's Dating Around is a sneakily great reality show. Hmm. And she says, there are no dramatic elimination ceremonies. There's no talking head interviews where the cast dishes about their feelings as prompted by unseen producers. There's no host. There's no voiceovers. No one gets into a helicopter or bungees off the side of a bridge (laughs) or stares down her direct competition across the table. It's just someone going on several first dates and then deciding whether they want to see one of those people again. How refreshing. I do remember. It's so show. refreshing. Also, they do be on helicopters a lot on all of other shows. Right? <laughs> <laughs> sit your ass down on the ground. And what I love is that the show really gives us a chance to like sit in different subcultures. In one episode, there's an old man and his wife had died. And oh. he's dating all of these super age-appropriate women. And I was like, wait, is this the first time that I've ever seen older people date on television? I don't think I've ever seen older people date on television. Well, there was Mother Wins Law and Family Matters. And there's the Golden Girls. But these are like real people. Right, right. In this genre, we're so obsessed with youth. Yes. Their bodies look like Greek gods. And like, mm-hmm. this felt real refreshing because it felt real, real. Yeah. You were really late tonight, you know? Excuse me, I am never late. This is late for me to have dinner, you know? I eat like 6, 6.30. I'm kind of boring sometimes. Because I like to take my teeth out by 8 o'clock. You know how it is. Yeah. I'm going to watch this show. I really it's am. so much slower and intimate. And it feels more realistic. That's what I love about the show. It feels like there's actual real people. And a cool thing about this show is that it takes the game out of the experience. Like, we were talking mm-hmm. about the gamification earlier. This is like the anti-gamification. This is like... More of the experience of dating. Like, you're like, are they going to kiss at the end? Where is this conversation going to lead? And also, like, what would I do if I was in this situation? Exactly. But there's some attempts in this sort of group that I just don't get, and I'll never get, like, The Bachelor. I don't get it. Whenever you have a dating show with all of these beautiful, beautiful white folks, right? White women to choose from, basically. It always looks like a freaking Old Navy campaign. And then you have to put in some brown and black people because you know that you have to or otherwise people are going to protest and you're going to like lose sponsorship or whatever. That creates a dynamic that is so uncomfortable because it's just like, okay, we all know why you're here. Mm -hmm. You're here because you have to be. Mm -hmm. And let's just pretend to be into each other in this really like awkward way. And the feeling that like somebody has to pretend to like somebody that looks like me, it doesn't make me feel good. You know what I mean? Like, so there's that. And also it's just fucking boring. Like how many times can you watch a man date however many women and then pick the prettiest one? Like, So then explain this to me. 
how has the show been on the air for 1,327 seasons? I don't and get it. And consuming it. I don't I understand. I do not that. get it. I even tried to watch the season where they had the first black girl bachelorette. Rachel. Yeah. It was uncomfortable for me because I was just like, girl, you wouldn't be here if the world wasn't burning down right now. You know what I mean? I can't divorce that thought from my brain while I'm watching this shit. I can't turn off that part of me that's a black girl, I guess. Me either. <laughs> to enjoy it, you know? So maybe we should talk to someone who can explain it to us because I feel like something's amiss. Something's really weird and ironic about the fact that we mm-hmm. watch a bunch of these reality shows about dating, but the main one, like the behemoth in the genre, neither of us really fuck with. Yeah, it's confuserating. I don't get it. Let's figure it out after the break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. Back issue and we're back. Tracy and I really don't understand what y'all love about The Bachelor. So we brought in an expert, Allie Barthwell. She's an Emmy-nominated writer for Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, and she spends her free time recapping The Bachelor and its mini spinoffs for Vulture. Can you break down what makes a great reality dating show? Ooh, a great reality dating show. You want it to feel like a rom-com, but then you want to have a big victory at the end. So you want those little, small, bumbling story moments, like the cute awkwardness. But then at the end, you want to feel that we've seen two people have their love story told and like communicated to us. So Trace and I sat down with Allie and talked about how The Bachelor has such a grip on our cultural understanding of love, other shows that might be doing a better job at exploring our relationships to romance, and even come up with a show idea of our own. Don't steal it! For a lot of people, and for myself, we want to see two people fall in love or something like it. You know, two people Mm. support each other and lean on each other and grow together and succeed. Mm. And so I think to cast a little shade, I think The Bachelor has gotten worse at being able to tell a good love story Mm. because they rely on the drama and the awkwardness and the the rom-com mishaps at the beginning of the season. But I think the moments that stick with you are seeing those stories of success and feeling like we did witness people going through something special. Mm. I've never in my life been able to get into The Bachelor, and I don't know what it is about it, and I know that it has 25 seasons, and I don't get it. Like, (laughs) I mean, part of the reason is there ain't been no black people on it. Right. So it's very hard to watch a white man who is, like, has the personality of a pair of khakis (laughs) kiss 30 white women who have the personality of a Lulu's dress on sale and be, like, excited about it. (laughs) But then what keeps you coming back? I mean, I think it's a really interesting cross-section of a lot of different things that are happening at the same time. So it's really interesting to watch as like a performance of gender stuff. Mm. What the men are supposed to do, what the women are supposed to do, how these men are sort of viewing themselves or categorizing themselves, the women are viewing or categorizing themselves. 
Recently, it's been more interesting to watch in terms of race and like what the show has been deliberately trying to do and inadvertently trying to do with conversations around race. But I ultimately think The Bachelor really is trying to sell you on. You're watching your friend that you really like. Your girlfriend is dating all these guys. So why don't you just sit around and gossip about it? Mm. In the last few seasons that I've been watching, the gossip and discourse around the show has sort of eclipsed the actual love stories that are happening. Mm. Mm. And I think dating and romance is something that as people, we learn by watching. We learn by watching. We learn by sharing with other people. Dating isn't one of those things you're like, I have no opinion about this, but I'm going to start doing it. Like you talk to people, you learn, you watch romantic movies and, and we pick up all those things. And The Bachelor is distilling all of those things down into a package that we can sit and watch and recognize ourselves, judge mm. other people, and sort of learn and dissect what romance, what dating is. What are the top Bachelor moments that I should go watch as someone who's, like, not a Bachelor fan? Okay, well, first, I will say, you should watch a season of The Bachelorette, because the season of The Bachelorette are better than The Bachelor, because women are better than men, so they're actually, like, <laughs> interesting and fun. And then... I would also say some like great villains that I've seen since I've started watching The Bachelor. There was Luke P from Hannah Brown season. He was a sort of a very religious evangelical chicken hawk of a man uh, <laughs> <laughs> that really that really wanted to control Hannah and she was someone who's very religious also, but you saw her sort of waking up to this type of person isn't going to be good for me mm. and the kind of life that I want to live. I have had sex. Say what? Yeah. And I, Jesus still loves me. Huh. From from obviously how you feel, me in a windmill, probably, you probably want to leave. I didn't just go to the fantasy suite. I in a windmill. And guess what? We did it a second time. I had sex and Jesus still loves me. Uh, <laughs> put it on a t-shirt sounds like a country song yes right <laughs> I mean, their fight was amazing on Rachel Lindsay season who was the first black bachelorette mm -hmm. um, mm. there was two things that I can think from that season that were pretty wild one they cast someone who had been posting pro-Trump racist shit on his Facebook and he was contacted on Facebook to be hired on the show, so they knew who he oh, was. Oh, messy, messy. Ooh, we actually have a clip of Rachel talking about this incident on Watch What Happens Live. I did have a racist contestant on my season, which is right, one okay. of the things that I'm fighting for, for them to do a better job of vetting contestants. You need a person of color in the decision room making decisions, so that doesn't happen. They were like, I want to put this black girl in a situation where she has to date a Trump supporter. We need tension. This is an audio medium, but my face is saying yes. Yes, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> On the international seasons of The Bachelor, mm. I believe it was in... I want to say Vietnam. Mm -hmm. There was a, a moment where two women that were on The Bachelor, so they were both contestants, one of them turned to the other and said, you know what we have. I want you to leave this show with me. And they left together as a couple. Wow. Everyone is like, this is so good. <laughs> <laughs> Why hasn't this happened for us? Like, we want yeah. this. <laughs> right. Right. Lord, I see what you have done for others. I see what yes. you've done for others, Lord. <laughs> Why not me? So... Like he said earlier, when, when we were trying to figure out, like, what is it that we are missing with The Bachelor? Because I also, I tried to watch it in the beginning seasons, and I was like, okay, I get it. And then I was just like, this season's like the last season, which is like the last season, which is like the last season. Mm -hmm. So once they added um, Rachel, the Black Bachelorette, I was like, okay, let me tune in and see what it's like. And I had to stop because I was just like, this is too familiar to what I've gone through in my life. Mm -hmm. How do you reckon with the presentation of race and racial politics in The Bachelor and The Bachelorette? Yeah, I mean, I think there's just acknowledgement of The Bachelor does a bad job at this. Mm. Whoever is running that show are white people creating a show for a white audience. Yeah. And so mm. you, as you watch it, sort of understanding that a lot of the choices that they make 
make sense. Mm -hmm. And looking at even who they have picked to be the first black bachelor and bachelorette, it was these people that were sort of unimpeachable, that came with no baggage, came with no scandal. Rachel was a lawyer. Mm. She was very popular on her season. And and it's since been revealed that she was brought on to Nick Vial's season with the intention that she would go far and they could make her the first black bachelorette. Mm. So the show is sort of, they want you to follow a character as they go through. And you see them on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. You see them not find love, but then you see them get their chance at love by being the lead the next season or season down the road. But if you look at how the show treats the contestants of color, how they edit the contestants of color, the types of narratives that they put forward, it becomes very clear that this is a show for a white audience. Are there other reality dating shows that you think are doing a better job at addressing these sorts of issues? I think what The Bachelor does that is the issue is it believes it's capable of addressing these conversations Mm. and they think that they have some sort of responsibility, especially now. It's shifted in the last few years to show people talking about race, opening up about this, but then they have to sort of answer to this white gaze that they've cultivated and mm. Flavor of Love didn't give a fuck. <laughs> At all. The show did not. Flavor of Love was not like, tell me about your experience as part of the diaspora. Like, that was not what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? He was like, I want to see titties. End of discussion. Exactly. <laughs> and I think The Bachelor, they want to be prestige TV. Mm-hmm but they don't have the tools and the understanding or the people around to facilitate the conversations that would need to happen to be prestige TV. They don't have the range. Mm. They don't have it. Do you think that reality dating shows are inherently problematic? Shows where everyone can kind of date whoever's there feel a little better and deal with some of those icky things. Who like, are you the one? Yeah, like, are you the one, I think is, so interesting and the season they did where it was everyone was queer that's my favorite one (laughs) I was like this is so interesting and they were having conversations that were really pushing things forward wasn't it Beset their name Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. they were saying I'm non-binary and the person they were interested in would not refer to them with they them pronouns what so they had like a conversation about you think you're giving me this compliment by calling me masculine, but really I don't want to exist in that space. It creates an opportunity for these kinds of conversations. No one has more power than anyone. No one has Mm. the ability to send someone home or shut someone down in the same way that happens on a show where there's a lead and then everybody else. Mm. Do you feel like these shows can negatively impact real-world relationships, just like the way that we see love and, like, the type of things that we should look for and what we deserve? Absolutely. I mean, like, the idea that love conquers all is nuts. Listen! (laughs) Do you know how many times I've been in love and my credit still sucks? Like, it's supposed to conquer everything. (laughs) I would hope that the people that make the shows become aware that they serve more than just a white conservative audience. Mm. And I think the way that young people date, I say this is like, I'm, I'm 32, but the young people, they <laughs> date very differently than a traditional rom-com, you know? Yeah. So there's room even there to explore what it means to look for one person and like create a monogamous relationship. So I hope that they're able to sort of acknowledge that their audience is diverse racially, it's diverse in terms of sexuality, it's diverse in terms of how people want a couple. I hope the genre becomes self-aware and gets a sense of humor because the more The Bachelor in particular insists that this is to find marriage and kids and true love in the white picket fence, the more it has fucked up. Mm-hmm. And if it is just a show where hot Instagram influencers and aspiring country stars can meet <laughs> in a tropical locale, mm. like the better. <laughs> and, you know, maybe some of that pressure has to come from society that we don't view marriage as the end, yeah. the interesting part of someone's life. So, you know, I would love to see a show of like a bunch of hot 60 year old black and brown people like dating in a house. <laughs> yeah, can me you too. Ima- can you imagine the drama, the romance? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I need it. Cat Daddy Island coming to a TV yes. station near <laughs> <Yes>. you. <laughs> 
Brought to you by Kango. <laughs> Sponsored by Michael Jordan Cologne. And instead of roses, they just give out bowls of butter pecan ice cream. Yes. <laughs> Everybody's nickname is Miss Lady. It don't matter. <laughs> no one can know this idea. Me and Tracy are making the show with Allie. It's yes. totally, it executive producers. Written. Exactly. I think it's a great idea. Like for realsies. Coming to BED Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe now. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Yes, this has been such a great conversation. Where can people find you and your work? You can find me on Twitter at WTFlankSteak. I'm also a writer for Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. So Sundays on HBO. And I write Vultures, Bachelor, currently right now, Bachelor in Paradise recap. So you can check those out on Vulture.com. Yes, yes. Thanks so much for having me. It was great talking to you both. Thank you. This was great. So much fun. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Trace, we're back. Uh-huh. To quote our patron saint, Tyra Banks, who, in retrospect, I actually can't believe she never had a dating show. What a miss. That <laughs> should have happened. Every episode, it would be like her dating herself. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> like in different wigs. <laughs> <laughs> Did we... Learn something from this! I definitely do think that we learned something from this. Like what? So I learned that if you watch dating shows with like any expectation at all, (laughs) period, Uh then you're just setting yourself up to be disappointed like at most. Right. And at best, there'll be an episode where it's like, huh, that was less terrible than all the other stuff. Like nothing about these shows are realistic. And I think that when we watch and consume so many of them, we forget that. And so Mm. we feel like we should or we actually try to model our real lives after the bullshit that we see on TV. And that's not great. Like, this is not how you date. Like, what, whether it's right. one person dating 30 people in clear view of everybody, which, do you know how quick I will go to jail if I am one of 30 people trying to date one person and I got to watch you kiss somebody else? I'm slapping everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the stuff that makes for a good healthy relationship mm-hmm. by definition makes for boring television. Exactly. And the stuff that makes for great watching television is toxic <laughs> by right. definition. And now we all depressed and sad and lonely and in therapy talking about I don't understand why I just can't find love and be happy. Right. I also feel like since reality shows are so goofy like people sort of like eh, it's just a TV show but like no this stuff impacts our happiness. Because it impacts Mm. the decisions that we make in our lives. Like, which mate do we choose? What does it mean that this date aggressively grabbed my wrist last night? Was he being abusive? Or was he being Mm. just, like, really, really passionate? You know, like, Mm. if Boy Island would have us thinking that, oh, he just really cares about you. It's just, you know what I mean? So we see this stuff. Mm -hmm. And we make our decisions based on that. And then our happiness and our mental health suffer because of it. Right. They have us accepting shitty situations or rejecting good situations because of what we see on TV. Because of how they frame them. Exactly. 
it's near impossible to shield yourself from all of these toxic messages when they probably have already started doing damage before you even know that they're toxic. You know what I mean? Right. What I was thinking about when we were going through all these shows, what does queering this structure look like? What does the inclusion Mm. of queer people and different romantic structures look like in this form? And is that something that we want? Do we want to be involved in this? Because (laughs) 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 this looks like a shit show, honestly. And I think that where I'm landing is that it can be a really helpful structure because it's really accessible. Yeah. When it's good, it's good. Like dating around, which I mentioned before. It's a matter of intention and a matter of what the creators of these shows are trying to do. Are they Mm -hmm. trying to educate people? Are they trying to show the different ways that you can be in the world? Or are they literally just trying to show you the lowest common denominator of what a toxic relationship could be? Right. And if they're doing the former, then more power to them. And Mm -hmm. I'm on board. Back Issue is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. This show is created and hosted by Tracy Clayton. And also, in addition, Josh Gwynn as well. That's me. That's you. Our senior producer is also Josh Gwynn because he just be showing off. (laughs) (laughs) And our lead producer is Emmanuel Hapsis. Our managing producer is John Asante. Our senior editor is Leela Day. Our associate producers are Alexis Moore, Zandra Ellen, and Brianna Garrett. Our intern is Arlene Arevalo. Our executive producers are Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. And our engineers are Raj Makija and Davey Sumner. This show also features music by the amazing Don Will. You can hit them up on the socials at Don Will. And you can also follow me on the socials at Broken Poverty. You can follow me at Regarding Josh on all the socials. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever free podcasts are sold. You can follow the podcast socials at Back Issue Podcast on Instagram. Do it. Leave us a review. Do that too. Keep it cute. All that. Always. Nothing negative. Nope. Never. (laughs) Five stars. (laughs) See you next week. Oh, and watch Cat Daddy Island. It's coming out this spring. We're making it with Allie. (laughs) Coming to Cable Minus this summer. (laughs) Cable Minus.